0: (laughs) Hello, kiddies! It's your old
1: pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast. That's right. Welcome everyone to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the cancelled television shows of the science fiction, horror, and fantasy genres. I'm your host, Mr. Seneca.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Chris.
1: And we are continuing our foray into The Max, episodes 9, 10, and 11.
0: Indeed. Indeed. And uh, we, begin the, <clears throat> we begin at the morgue.
1: With oh. a politician
0: working on a kid, it happens to be an is.
1: Oh hold on, hold on a second. I need you the um the episode synopsis. Oh right. <laughs> so I'll pause just a sec. Episode nine and ten originally aired May eighth, nineteen ninety-five. Sarah discovers a mysterious block of talking clay while a growing and shrinking Max fights to protect Dooley. And episode eleven, originally aired June nineteenth, nineteen ninety-five. After Max tells Sarah and some neighborhood kids an outback story, Julie discovers Mr. Gon's rotting head in her apartment.
0: Yeah. Um, so we begin at the morgue uh, with the the mortician. I don't know if we've met this character before. Operating, uh, about to uh, work on a kid, but it happens to be an is.
1: Yeah, and this is actually the start of the trade paperback number two and uh, comic number seven.
0: Max, You're following along at you- home. Max takes Julie to the Outback like an adventure that they're both consciously aware of.
1: Well, it's a battle between conscious and unconscious. We're talking about two different worlds that are kind of laid on top of one another. So while Julie is locked in the bathroom and she's having her own conscious fight with herself, um, her unconscious is having this trip with Max. And then her conscious body Ends up catching up with her.
0: Yeah, I didn't get that whole like, why was she locked? She's locked in the bathroom for like three or four episodes.
1: No, no, not three or four episodes.
0: Three episodes.
1: She's locked in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is this is also one of those episodes where Pitt was in the comic but is not in the show. And we talked about Pitt in uh, last podcast episode the clay
0: (laughs) I didn't understand what the clay was until it was revealed but we'll get to that episode Uh, the clay wants Sarah to betray Julie and uh, for nefarious means this is like um, like talking uh, there's a horror movie that has like talking mold and the mold tells somebody what to do and it's voiced by Jeffrey Combs yeah it's kind of gross too because it's talking mold (laughs)
1: yeah <laughs> now it, it this almost seems like a schizophrenic break for sarah because she starts hearing this inanimate block of clay tell her to do things and she's following them um and it ends up being mr Gons' rotting head but it's not mr Gons' rotting head uh it is still a block of clay it is a mere psychic projection
0: Oh, right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's revealed later on what it, what it is, but, I mean, that's in episode, what, 11? Yeah, at the very end of episode 11, it's revealed what it really is.
1: Yeah, um, but, but because the nature of Mr. Gone in this uh, world isn't actually fully formed, so the influence that he has over the minds of Sarah and Julie kind of spill out into this plane. So... Um, the head isn't actually a head it's still a block of clay but it's a, a projection of that block of clay uh, a projection of Mr Gone's head in this reality but it's still a block of clay at the same time
0: julie remembers being the jungle queen because of a like a house that she built when she was a little girl
1: yeah out of popsicle sticks and clay
0: so she's projecting what she thinks of herself or what Max thinks of her into what we see to be real. It's like it's all connected from her past to her present. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, everything is connected. And um, her little trip into the Outback to kind of have these realizations is her kind of doing her subconscious work in in a weird sense of the word. Uh-huh. You know, she's confronting parts of her, and Mr. Gone doesn't want her to find out those secrets just yet, because he doesn't think that she can handle them, and in fact she really can't, <clears throat> which is and in fact she really can't, because that's why her outback looks like this and that's why her life is going this way.
0: Into episode 10, uh Sarah is talking about a spirit animal, which happens to be a horse, which is a statue, Um long cats about this spirit animal horse statue thing
1: yeah she's focusing on the horse because she kind of wants it to come alive in front of her and become her spirit animal i uh, i'll get to it at the uh, very end of the of the uh, of the, <laughs> of this show and going into the comics but uh she actually does have a horse spirit animal Even though in the show you don't really see anything about it, um, she really does.
0: Julie catching a little tiny Mr. Gone and knocking his head off, what is that supposed to be the symbolism of?
1: Well, um, she doesn't want to hear the hard truths that Mr. Gone wants to tell her. And so um, I actually have a bit of a note because, uh, okay, I actually have a little bit of a note on that. Um, in the scuffle, uh, Mr. Gon actually says to her, talk to Descartes, toots, and, and then she says she she wants the truth. I, I had to look up that reference because it, I know Descartes was a philosopher, but how does it really relate to the situation? And so René Descartes was a French philosopher from 1596 to 1650. In this context, uh, it means a relationship between the... Uh, matter and consciousness. I think uh, his most famous phrase, I think therefore I am, describes exactly what Mr. Gaughan is. He's a thought. His power comes from his essence and the perception of him is unreliable in the situation. Um, Descartes was really talking about the mind-body dualism. And so that's what this is, the dualism between the reality and the subconscious, the outback, and his presence, even though he keeps having his head chopped off, it's not going to be his death because it's only a portion of his consciousness. But it's just really funny to see his head pop off.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, she takes out all her anger and frustration out on trying to do it. When Max gets his uh, mask knocked off, Julie sees what he looks like. What is the secret of the Max?
1: The Max is a bunny rabbit, although not quite, not really, somewhat, yeah. Um, the Max is a homeless man named Dave that, uh, through the, the secret, uh, which we'll reveal a little bit later, through the secret, uh, he is transformed into the Max, and so underneath his actual mask is a bunny head and that's the same type of uh look that he has in the outback when he actually removes his mask there to it at when he actually removes his mask there as well
0: like what kind of bunny rabbit we don't really see it though
1: no you don't see it on the show um it is a long-eared bunny rabbit uh that with kind of floppy ears so the ears don't stand up straight it kind of mirrors that back hump that the max has uh-huh. so if you imagine the the ears are kind of forming the back of his hump and it's just kind of laying flat against his back so the ears don't stick up at all. The profile really doesn't make sense so much. It it's kind of a magical thing. He takes off the mask and he has bunny a bunny head.
0: Okay, alright. I remember hearing about that before. Now and I now I remember, yeah. And I was always like, wait, what? He's a rabbit?
1: Yeah, yeah. He is a rabbit.
0: Is he like um is he like um what's the name of the rabbit in um Donnie Darko?
1: Oh, I don't know the name of that rabbit. But no, no, that rabbit's ear sticks straight up.
0: Right. I just wasn't sure. Well it's not really a real rabbit either. It's like a metaphorical rabbit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um the rabbit actually comes from Julie's first traumatic experience. And so that rabbit, uh, which Mr. Gon tells in a backstory and um that Julie's first experience with death was this rabbit. And this rabbit, uh, she saw it got hit by a car. She took the rabbit home and it just refused to die. She thought she'd make it better, but couldn't. And it kind of drove her uh, emotionally (laughs) nuts. And then her mother ended up taking a shovel and whacking it to death. And the family never spoke of it again. And that was her first traumatic experience, and so that was why the projection of Max is a bunny rabbit. That's her animus, her animal spirit. Oh,
0: okay, now I get that.
1: Yeah, it's it's really complicated.
0: <laughs> it's really complicated.
1: It However, some... we learn
0: when they get the, when they finally get back to the uh, the real world. Of course, they've been sitting on top of a. Uh, uh, a mailbox the whole time which she, she thought was her you know strung together thing uh, picks up the bag with the, cl- the clay bag and we find out it's Sarah's father's head Mr. Gone yeah that's supposed to be the big reveal Sarah's gone uh, Sarah Sarah, Sarah well I guess Sarah's last name is gone she's the daughter of Mr. Gone her father raped her
1: well her father did not rape her Sarah was not raped by her father
0: who was Sarah raped by?
1: Uh, Sarah was not raped by anyone.
0: Wait, I thought she was the. I thought she was.
1: No, Julie was. Julie was, and Glory was, but Sarah had never been raped. She'd been humiliated and basically has low self esteem from uh, her best friend them having a relationship, and then he ditches her and humiliates her in order to be popular. Her major um, her major trauma comes from the fact that her father's been missing this whole time which is another reason why his name is Mr Gone
0: Gotcha and the uh the the uh the fact that it's his uh, decapitated smelling head in the bag is also the twist ending to uh that episode
1: I I definitely say yeah um Mr Gone's rotting head falling out of there and she realizing that she's been toting around a rotting head but it—it it was actually a piece of clay, you know. Reality is sh- shifting, you know. Mister Gone's influence and all that, but yeah, um, that's the tw- surprise twist at the ending. That ends the uh, the podcast as well. Did well, you have
0: a? Um, did you have something you wanted to say about these three episodes regarding your own I, life?
1: I I do I do. Um, so, in these episodes we see Sarah talking and moving this talking clay block. I must admit when I saw it, it severely frightened me. The idea that you could acknowledge that you're doing something crazy, but the reality is far worse. Since my reality was dreamlike and my nightmare is more real than real, I was afraid that I would do something that I couldn't fix. Would I get lost in a hallucination and fight for my life? just to kill someone else. But what I found out is that when my life is actually in danger, I don't do shit. When my abuser had me pressed up against the wall in my mom's garage, fist clenched around my throat, trying to kill me, punishing me for falling in love with a boy my age, I did nothing. I did nothing but stay conscious. I didn't fight back. I just defiantly stayed conscious and looked him straight in the eyes. When he let go, my voice was damaged. I retreated to my room to cry my eyes out while he went into the house to pretend like nothing happened. Less than three months later, the quirky boy I loved was hit by a car and died. I couldn't fight. It took me a long time to fight for myself. Am I the hero or the white is on a suicide march? I think I was the is until I could see myself more than just the stupid teenager who was doomed to pain. Maybe my life is unique, but I don't think so. One out of every six American women are sexually assaulted and you already know women that went through it. I've heard from other women who were toys for a predator and our stories differ, but the feeling is the same. Just like Glory talking with Sarah, she just didn't feel safe anywhere. When do you feel safe after something like that? I'm amazed that I recovered. I'm I'm amazed that every sexual abuse victim recovers. Julie was attacked and left for dead. Gloria was attacked and left for dead. I was attacked repeatedly and I could do nothing but try to stay in that dream and ignore the nightmare. Be Max, be Sarah, be Julie, and then find out that everything is connected and none of it matters. Every 68 seconds, someone in the U.S. is sexually assaulted Mm. And every nine minutes, that person is a child. My abuser wasn't Mr. Gone. But he might as well as been. Cut off his head, but the pain remains. Since this is my last of the confessionals, I'll close with this. Everyone goes through trauma. Everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. This was an insight into my life, but these types of horrors could just be under the surface of nearly anyone you meet. So be kind, we're all broken. So just be kind to one another. Stop abuse cycles when you can. And if you feel you're a danger to yourself or others, get help. You don't have to go through it alone. That's
0: it for me. Beginning of the episode, what uh, Image Comics character is uh, mentioned by the kids? I can't believe I almost forgot that.
1: I didn't write down that fact.
0: Ah, Shadowhawk. The kids ah. are like,
1: Shadowhawk,
0: yeah! Like, the way they act about Shadowhawk is like 90s children would act, you know? Shadowhawk first appeared in the second issue of Rob Liefeld's Youngblood series. Youngblood was the first comic book series to launch. From the newly formed uh, Image Comics, it was uh, created by Jim Valentino, who was best known for working on Guardians of the Galaxy and other Marvel comics. He was one of the founding members of the series. Wow. He is a, a black man named Paul Johnston, uh, who I think has AIDS. Uh, yes, he is. He's confirmed to be in AIDS. He's confirmed to be the first HIV-positive superhero. Great. I have the first two Shadowhawk miniseries. Uh, he's crossed over, like, Spawn and Savage Dragon and stuff like that. There was one time where we were going to get a Shadowhawk video game. I think that's the closest we've ever come to Shadowhawk being in any kind of media whatsoever. Last time I checked, he's still hanging around with Image Comics characters. Uh, but it's been quite some time since I, the last time I heard anything about Shadowhawk. His first issues uh to his miniseries always had, like, Like, you know, like silver embossed like covers. He's got like a Wolverine kind of look to him with his costume or Starhawk. Um, Starhawk is a very obscure Marvel comic book character that's part of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. You might best know him as a character played by Sylvester Stallone in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie.
1: Really? (laughs)
0: Yes. But without his traditional looking costume, by the way. Uh, but yeah, that one time it was supposed to be a Shadowhawk video game, which apparently you can still play on some emulator bootleg video game websites. Uh, I've seen. It looks kind of cool. I I would be very excited to play it if anyone has a copy wants to send it to me. Uh, <laughs> so that's what Shadowhawk is. It was just really like, oh, they referenced somebody from Image. Uh, but we can't show it because copyright reasons. So. <laughs> That's uh, all the notes I have. You can find all our previous episodes on radiohorror.com and find us on Twitter at Christy SAV and Elegantly Cheeky. And over on our Facebook page, the Dead TV Podcast, we got one more episode to go with the backs. We're going to take a bit of a break and then we'll be on to Reaper. Stay tuned, everyone, and have a good evening.
1: Good night.